Hi, I'm Ariel Hemingway, and this, you have joined Outcomes the Science podcast. This is our fifth podcast. We're super, super excited. I'm here with my partner, Melissa Yamaguchi. Sorry, Melissa. Hello, hello. hello. My, my partner in crime and my co-founder of the Mariel Hemingway Foundation. <laughs> Such a clever name. But it really means MH Foundation, which means mental health. Um, today, I'm so excited because I have a guest who's a really, really important person in my life and also just an incredible woman and a friend which is awesome. Uh, her name is Beat Simkin, and she is, how do you describe you? You are an extraordinary, um, well, you're a meditation teacher, but you're so much more than that. You're kind of a spiritual leader, and you're a spiritual leader who comes from such a modern place. I was, I was listening to your music. I mean, I listen to your music all the time, but I, you know, it's so wonderful to have this voice of spirituality coming from somebody like yourself. I should read a little bit of your bio because it's actually kind of extraordinary. So be it as a world-renowned meditation leader dubbed the David Bowie of meditation, <laughs> which I love. Um, she's also a musician. She's an incredible singer and musician, and she puts amazing things together. And it, she has a wonderful album out called Mercury, which is on Spotify, which is just beautiful. And each song is like a, it's like a spiritual lesson. I love it. I, I love it. And I listen to it. And I know because I know you, I, I hear things in it. Anyway, your life is extraordinary. I could go on and on. You were raised by a shaman in New York. I mean, you're, you've got a life that nobody else really, ha nobody's had a life like yours. And you've gone through addiction and all kinds of crazy things, loss of a child. I mean, like heartbreaking challenging, extraordinary things that have gotten you to a place where spirituality is like your center and you share that and you're a teacher and you're a leader. So we're excited to have you. Um, super excited. It's just, it really means the world to me that you would come at such a short notice because I know I didn't give you much time, maybe yesterday. Um, anyway, so I'd like to, I'm not letting you speak, but I'm going to one second. I want to tell you what we've been discussing on the podcast lately. Melissa and I have been talking about spirituality as it pertains to mental health. And I kind of, we've both come to this kind of conclusion that one of the biggest reasons that uh, mental illness is such a problem is that our, there, there's, we're spiritually bankrupt as a, as a, you know, as a, as a world, we kind of lost our connection to something greater than ourselves. And I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'm in the process of shooting my course. Like next week, I'm going to Joshua Tree to shoot my new online course, which is going to awesome. be like a blend of breath work, somatic work and meditation. And I was just talking to my team about what is it that, you know, what, why am I doing this? Why do I, why do people need a course? Why do people need my work? Why do people need spiritual work in general? And I just right. said, I said the grand statement to which my, cause I have a team that you know, what do you call it? Reels me in. But I was like, my work is the solution to all problems. And my team was like, that's too grand a statement. Like you can't say you solve all problems. And I was like, sorry, there's like 
a sound. Can you, is that okay? Can you guys hear yeah, me? I don't okay. hear it. I'm in. You can hear me. Okay. So, um, but the truth is, it's not about me. Although, thank God, for some reason, I am a conduit of this incredible work, but it isn't about me. The fact is this, spiritual work is the solution to all of our problems. And why is that? That's because all problems stem from a spiritual problem. So if you don't have a spiritual problem anymore, then you don't have any problems anymore. Like you used to have a car, like we crashed our car yesterday, like into a wall. It wasn't like a big crash. Like no one got hurt. It was like, we parked it weirdly into the garage. And now we have to spend $5,000 on like a dent. You know how it is with cars. Anyway, the point is, is that like, that would be a problem, but because I have a spiritual solution, it's like, that's not a problem. And many things are not problems for me because I have a spiritual solution to them. And to me, having a spiritual solution dissolves all problems. So when you're talking about mental health, it's like the mind is actually designed to be quite, it's, it's a problem solving machine. That's all it's meant to do. But we've assigned it every task known to man. We're like, oh, I'm having this depression. I know what I'll do. I'll just shove it into my mind. I'm sure my mind will know what to do with that. And the mind is like, I'm here to like figure out like really simple, like, okay, where do we pick up the eggs from the store? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm here to remember <laughs> what is the color blue. That's my only job. And we give it these really big emotional tasks and it cannot handle those things. And so that is as a society, that is what we're doing. We're moving everything we have, all of our physical problems, all of our emotional problems, all of our grief, all of our sadness, all of our memories, we're moving it all up to the mind. And then we're just thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. It's like, who wouldn't have a problem if that's your freaking, you know, process. So to <laughs> me, you know, it's so true. It, you know, that's so it's fascinating because you're right. It's like we do, we take all of these things because we think the brain's so you know, vast and amazing, which it is, but also yeah. it's not designed to handle physical issues or the crash into the garage or whatever it is. So we shove them up into the brain and the, and that's, you know, and the whole thing about, you know, spirituality is like meditation is like, get out of your mind, you know, like quit putting it all in your mind. Don't think it through, feel it, it you know, yeah. be in it. Yeah. Right. I, I, am I correct? Yeah, I think you are correct. You and I have very similar, you know, processes, you know, whether we're doing yeah. breath work or we're walking in soil or we're walking with animals or looking at the sky. There's so many ways to get out of the mind and get into the body, but it's painful. I think that's the other thing is people don't want to do is they don't want to feel pain. So yeah. exercise is painful. Meditation is painful. Breath work is pain. Like everything's painful. Somatic work is painful. The first thing you do when you do somatic work is feel feelings. And like, as a person, like, you know, I'm like a very heady individual. I come from a background of deep intellectuals, a long lineage of intellectuals. And like, what I have found is that intellectualism has driven me to deep, deep despair. So there's nothing wrong with intellectualism. I'm very excited that I've read many, many books. I will continue to do so. However, when it comes to processing my feelings, I no longer try to use my mind for that. Interesting. Exercise. I want you to address this, Melissa, because you, like be it, are an incredibly well-read, intellectual person. And I'm wondering if this resonates at all, if you, if you recognize that kind of... 
mental that mental overload uh, you know, that happens to all of us, right? Well, there's a couple things I want to address, and first and foremost, the David Bowie meditation. I'm I'm hooked on it. And I'm thinking because I, te- I, was t- I was telling Slater during the break that I think I got to sex up my feng shui work. And so I'm going to become the Tina Turner of feng shui. I just want that out there. Out there. Okay. So, um, so um, yeah, it, there's a lot of what you're saying that I'm, I'm, you know, part of our job here is to, is to gather as much information from you, the wise one, that we can distill among and disperse it, if you will, amongst our audience. And, and I'm listening to you as though I'm a member of the audience, list, listening to what you're saying, realizing this, uh, in a lot of the work that I do, I deal with a lot of young people. And by young people, I mean, um, 17, 18 to like 25. So there's this genre of kids that are like right in leaving high school, in college, out of college, or in the work field. This 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 gap here, and a lot of them are stuck. And when I hear you speaking about how we're taking these feelings and processing it up here, I'm intrigued by you. And I will answer what you asked me, Mariel. But I'm intrigued to find out from you before we close this at some point today some tools that that we can give our audience because I'm when I listen in my lack of information on this makes me feel despair that I can't help, right? And so I can imagine how a parent would feel or a counselor who's mm. trying to guide a young person who's overthink, thinking, overthinking, and triple thinking everything when they've got to leave it alone and they don't know how to leave it alone. It's stuck in this hiccup, this repeat loop of, of overthinking, whether it's through something on social media or it's through texting, which it's a large portion of their communication, not the face-to-face. So they overthink each word and comma and placement of, of the, right? So it, just, it, it stresses them mm-hmm. out to a level where they, they become paralyzed, literally paralyzed. So, but as far as the, the re, I, think, I think maybe with all of the background of reading and this push for higher education that I was um, driven down that path as a young a young girl and then my parents and grandparents, there's all these higher you know PhDs and MBAs and all that. And it, yeah, I was driven down that path. I think what saved me um, was that I have just enough irreverence that I would take classes and realize that some of my professors weren't that bright about certain things. And I didn't fault them. I wasn't looking for their Achilles, but I just realized they were human. And so I didn't get as tripped up. And it's not that I was looking for flaws in other people to justify my own. I just didn't get as tripped up. Um, I don't have that stress level. I do have a respect for it, but I just kind of pull away from it. Where my stress comes now is what I just shared. My feeling is though I can't help. I don't, I don't know how to help. I don't have the tools to understand how to guide anybody who's struggling from all those things that I just shared. I'm intrigued to learn from you what to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's where you're where you come in. I mean, literally, you do I remember I had my first session I didn't really know you, right? And you were like not a problem. Oh, I have, I've addressed this. Here's what's really wonderful about it that you need that everybody out there needs to know. She's experienced everything she's sharing with you, right? Would I, I'm not wrong in saying so. So everything comes from, oh, I've been through this. I get this. I know this one. You know, you're having trouble with whatever manifesting or this or that or whatever it is. Oh, I've been there. I went down that path. It's okay. I've got your hand, right? I'm I'm here with you. I'm holding space for you to like move move through this. And you do it in such a way that is not which will be great for, you know, if you do have tips for, for, especially as young people, 
because you speak in a way that's like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm 60 and you're like the cool person who's like a rock and roll star. Well, right? It's relatable. <laughs> so, I think, I think so it's relatable. Have, but you have a relationship. Yeah. Well, what? what you see depends on where you stand. And if you've stood there, yeah, then you know how to relate. And the number one thing that I keep hearing from people when I talk to some of my clients is they, my, they just want to be heard. And they, if they think if you don't see them, then you don't hear them. And so you, you're standing in a position where you're relatable. I think that's probably the, one of the, that's a, that's a superpower. Well, you said I'm standing and, you know, it comes down to like the way I describe my work is that like I walked out of hell backwards. And so, you know, yes, I lost my daughter to sudden infant death. Yes, my house burnt down. Yes, my father died of a heart attack. Yes, my best friend hung himself. Yes, that happened all within like a span of two years. And to me, that's a fire, you know, and, and many of your clients, these young people that you're speaking about and, and all the people that Marielle helps, they're, they're struggling with their own fire. And what I teach people how to do is walk out of the fire backwards. That is to say that you need to get out of there, but you need to always have one eye on the fire. Like the fire yeah. is not bad. It's not something to be for like forgotten. It's not something to put in regret. Like I do not regret the past. I do not regret losing my daughter. I do not regret the tragedies that I've endured because to me, they are, they are fire within me, but I've walked out of it, but I still see it. And so that fire connects me to people. And to answer your question, Melissa, you know, there's a couple things. I founded a, a breathwork system, which in four breaths gets you to a state as high as mushrooms, LSD, um, you know, tripping on drugs. So, and whippets and heroin. And I, I've actually done all of those drugs as a former drug addict myself. I was looking for a solution to find these altered states without hangover, without the destruction of my bank account, the destruction of my family, the destruction of my life, cheating on my husband. I didn't want to do any of those things. So I'm like, well, how am I going to create a sustainable life, but still feel high AF? Mm -hmm. And a lot of these kids, if you're working with youth, they want to get high. They want to get high because it isn't that long ago that they were high all the time. Pre-age seven, we're yeah. just wasted. <laughs> we are walking embodiments of the divine. And then we get plucked right out of that at seven into some little level of reality. And at 12, we literally get plucked into hell. And from, from hell in puberty, and this really confusing biological, no one teaches us how to be in our body. No one teaches us how to dance or move or shake or breathe. And here's the other thing, breathing, like this is a breath, but I don't think of it as the last breath of my life. I have the distinct notion, and it's a false notion, that I will have many breaths to come. And the truth <laughs> is, is that it very well could be the last breath of my life and yours and yours. We just take these breaths for granted. Each one of them is our last dying breath. And when we teach people how to breathe, when we teach them how to move, when we teach them how to embody their pain, what happens is they actually start to get back into the only place that exists, which is not their tweets or their Instagram. It's the present moment. That's all we have. We think we have, oh, well, in five years, I'll buy this, you know, $5 million home. Or we think, oh, in 10 years, I'm going to, whatever. Like, it's not fucking going to happen. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. Point is, is like, not you can't <laughs> you can do curse. anything. You can't do anything in 10 years. You can't do anything right. outside of this moment. 
Absolutely. It's so good. And Melissa, her breath work is, is truly profound. You know, I have done no drugs because I'm terrified and I think you are. as well. <laughs> but, but it is this, I was doing them this morning and it's, it, it, it's, it's profound what it does. It's just four breaths and I do maybe four sets, maybe eight if I'm greedy <laughs> and I want lots of feeling, but it's like, unbelievable and and it always and whenever I do them you know when I get that temptation to think well maybe I should try this psilocybin you know like maybe I should microdose and it's only a thought because I get too scared but I feel you know I know that that feeling is so profound because it makes you feel and I you know I don't you know I've read a tremendous amount of spiritual books of of like Samadhi, but it does you have this sense of like being one with everything it does bring you into the present moment and your the tactile senses of your entire body I love that. and the visuals in your mind it's just it's it's wild it's wild, and I haven't done drugs, so there you go it's wild to me <laughs> wild to both of us amazing <laughs> <laughs> so good um. Well, that's, yeah, I love that. Okay, so here's another thing that you asked me. We were going to do uh, a little workshop. COVID was so crazy, and we were all like, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> but you asked me a question, <laughs> and it was so compelling because I think of myself as somebody who can address things honestly, and, like, I can go to the core of something and, like, get really raw. But I think – and I was trying to find where I wrote the question down. Of course, I couldn't find it. So I'm going to bastardize the question, but you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so you wait. said, so when we do this, I want you, I want you, because we're going to ask everybody this. I want you to think of something, your biggest secret. Was it your biggest secret or your biggest lie? <laughs> I, I think it was a secret. I think it was, it was yeah, secret. It can sometimes be the same thing. Might be. Yes, I think it was the biggest secret. Like the thing that just kind of like makes you feel, mm. yeah, a little creepy, right? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you have to admit it. You had to. So I, I sat there kind of knowing what it was, but not mm. really wanting to admit that that's what it was, right? Wow. That it was that. So it's very interesting. And I loved that you're. And you were super willing because you just said, yeah, this is my thought. You know, I've had Mm -hmm. this thought. And I was like, whoa, you know, right? But you say it. And once you say it, it's like, it's just a word. To me, because mental, so so for mental balance or health or whatever you want to call it, and I don't, you know, it's actually an inappropriate term. It's really about living life in the present moment, right? What what we're talking about. Um, it, it, It just so... I just lost my thought. <laughs> so secret. You were so secret. Too. You were talking about the secret, know, the question. Yeah, because that secret really wants me to just stay clear away. It wants you to share it right here on the podcast. Oh my god! That's what it really uh, yeah. wants. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it left me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's uh, at the edge of their seat, Marielle. They're just waiting, you know. <laughs> I honestly can't remember. I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll get there. Maybe by the end. <laughs> How no many worries. more minutes do we have? Like 10? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Anyway, um, so when you kind of address 
those 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 embarrassing questions, those shameful kind of secrets that we have that that we kind of bury inside. Do you feel that that unlocks um, unlocks bigger stories? Do you know what I mean? Um, no, I, it's not so much about stories. It's about pressure, right? So basically everyone's walking around like a pressure cooker and everything inside them. Many, there's, there's a, many secrets, many articles of shame from our childhood, from our adolescence that we are holding as if it's really important. And they even may be things that we're currently feeling like sexual preferences or, um, kinks or just like things you're like, you're like, I don't think I want to tell someone at a party that I barely know that part of me. Or like, I don't want people to know, or even like as simple as like, I don't want people to know certain aspects of my personality. I want them to see me as pious or good or kind and generous. I don't want them to see me as someone who's a user and a bitch. And I'm just like, what if those parts of you are also beneficial to us all? What if the fact that you're using people is actually a positive feature, especially when you think about features as a holistic experience. If I was just pious 24 hours a day, maybe that wouldn't be very beneficial to the world. Maybe that would not work, you know, because I don't actually think I would be famous. I don't think any of those things would have happened if I was sitting around just being like, I just don't care. There was needed to have been a desire inside me to affect the lives of others, right? So sometimes we think something's really shameful. I used to have a lot of shame about the fact that I wanted to be famous. Like just even that felt really like, oh God, don't hit me. Like don't don't think I'm bad because I, I'm just yes. like everyone else. I'm so I'm so normal. I'm not special. I just be- understand that one. <laughs> so yes. yeah. So the last yes. thing I'll say about yes. that is the shame piece is the pressure. And so Again, sometimes just doing the opposite, like the thing that we think is going to make us uncomfortable, like sharing the secret publicly, or even like so much as sometimes I'll have my clients dance around and like talk about their deepest, darkest, gross, like shame moments to a mirror so they can like get into it. It's like super like, what is that word? Cognitive dissonance. Like it's kind of taking something that's very uncomfortable, like and squeamish, like, oh God, like. (laughs) This is a part of myself I'm just grossed out by. And then a- actually seeing how it's sexy and it's cool because on the, on the one hand, yeah, but it connects you to everybody and almost everyone can relate to those gross, can relate to disgusting, those yeah, features. Most people, I've never been at a big event where I've shared my secrets and everyone ostracized me and left the event. It was quite the opposite. People were like, <laughs> oh, me too. Thank God. I'm so ugly. I think I'm fat. I want to like be raped when I'm having sex. Like people are just like super like come out of their shell and start saying things, you know? Yeah, no, it, it it's great. And, yeah. And I so relate to the kind of fame thing, the, the admission that, you know, you want to affect the world. I want to be, yeah. you know, I want to have an impact. I want Mariel Hemingway, you know, I called it Mariel Hemingway Foundation. I was acting all like coy about it, but I did it for a reason, right? If I'm really mm-hmm. honest about it. Yeah. That, I want my name out there and I want it to be associated with that. <laughs> that was tough. Okay, that was the secret. <laughs> well, there you go. The, the yeah. shame yeah. thing is fascinating to me because I want to be important. <laughs> the, the shame thing is a fascinating thing to me because it, 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 it binds us and we and it's, it's slammed on us at some point in our life. Oftentimes from zero to five, we start getting little things of no, 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 ladies don't do that. And young, you know, we don't do that in this family or whatever that is that starts manifesting, right? And then I see it a lot as it as it plays out in 
an eating disorder or uh, some some self-medication, some form of self-medication because there's so much shame around whatever we heard, whatever those family mores, not even social mores, the family mores of what's right from wrong. And so we walk out of the house not knowing because everybody else is thinking. I see it a lot. I, I think right. there's something terrifying about admitting that secret, but then I can see why it would be extremely liberating. It's like, it's like, it's facing it. It's facing it. it the, the monster under the bed's never as hairy as we imagine he is especially if we're standing there with a razor. Well, and what's great about it, yeah. I know that when I speak, probably similar to you, Ben, is that, is that everybody share. You know what's also very interesting about sharing a secret? Somebody will tell you, oh my God, my secret's exactly the same or my story, you know, my, you don't call it story, but my, you know, my background, th those icky feelings are the same. We have the same thoughts. And they'll explain theirs and they're nothing like yours. That's what I find interesting because it's really just this connection of feeling, mm -hmm. right? It's not really what the thing is. It's how it makes that person feel. So you made them feel the exact same way that they feel, right? So I, I find that interesting because it's not the words. It's not the yada, yada, and I whatever. It's the how does that make you feel? You know, at first you're squeamish. At first you want to repel and like look like you're a good person. And then you're like, I'm so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wow. This is the sexiest thing I've dealt with in a long time. Like it's weird. Yeah. You know, it just shifts. It's like it transforms into something. I love that you make all of your pieces part of you that makes you great, that makes you human, you know, and our humanity is that we are flawed and that we are having our dips and things. And it's just about acknowledging them and, you know, getting back to where we are now, do some breath work. Here I am, you know, right. But it's, yeah, I, I it's also, you have to acknowledge the past. I think you have to acknowledge the past where it comes from so that you can let that shit go. See, yeah, and also you can't <laughs> let it go either because there is no past, there is no future. It's coming for us at every minute. And I think that's the other lie that we've been sold is that enlightenment is this thing that happens. And once it happens, we are rendered perfect. We are the Buddha. We are whatever the storytellers have come before us who lied and told us that that was the finale. Um, for me, that was very misleading. And I was looking for enlightenment from the time that I was a little girl with a awakened teacher for a father who was also spinning the similar lies uh, that everyone has spun, which is I reached enlightenment and now I'm free. And so, and, and because he really was walking the walk, I was like, well, this is a man who isn't really like filled with contradictions. So maybe there really is an end point, but I myself never found it. I never found it. I myself kept finding, I would find enlightenment. I would have a white light experience of the highest degree, like that, you know, noteworthy of one best-selling book after another. And then I would, be, you know, follow that with depression, with overeating, with feeling alone, wow. with flaws, with et cetera. And then I would have another white light enlightenment experience followed by et cetera. And this would keep happening until finally I was like, maybe I just have the narrative wrong. Maybe enlightenment isn't a static one and done experience but it's actually something that we it's have fluid. to return to over and over for fun. And the, what helps me the most as an enlightened person today is that I don't mind all the things that come inside of enlightenment. And for me, enlightenment is a holistic experience inside of which is flaws, sadness, 
pain, loss, grief, despair. I mean, those things are not excluded. And I think that since I've allowed the wholeness of my life to exist, I'm no longer constantly beating myself up every time it doesn't look perfect or feel perfect, which feels great. That's awesome. I love that so much because there is that thing about spiritual teaching. It's just let go, you know, just let go. How do you let go? It's like, and I've sat there in meditation going, I don't know how to, what does that even mean? You know, and I've even spouted it and spouted it, not knowing really what it means to let go, like, you know, and people who are in pain in the moment in pain, right. Having these experiences, you can't tell them to let go. Right. You know, experience what you're experiencing and then know that that will shift probably to a different experience, right? Because that's that's life, yeah. right? And I think that that's the way to look at mental health is that it's going like this and realizing that, but also knowing how to live your life, you know, and I've shared with you that I think lifestyle is, is, is tantamount to finding, you know, the best version of yourself every day. Now, and that could be a sad version, but it's at least you're you you're armed to deal with the situations that come up with response, not reaction, right? Yes, I agree with you. And I'll just add one thing. While the mental condition is like this, while life is like this, there is a part of us that is never changing. There is a part of us that is made out of light. And I ah, refer yes. to that as the soul. And so like, I do both and, you know what I mean? I just don't expect my soul to be running the show 100% of the time. Sometimes my soul is running the show. How fun and how groovy, because that's so great for my vanity. Um, And then sometimes like the part of me that sucks is running the show. Sometimes I'm yelling at my husband or sometimes I'm like, you know, upset or, you know, I get an email and I feel like I'm a loser, whatever. Like that stuff happens, but I know that's not my soul. And so it's fun to watch and observe. I can observe it. And also, um, you know, I love what you said about let it go. Yeah, you can let it go, but how? You need actual tools, like Melissa was saying. Like these kids need tools. They can't just be told to let it go. They need practices and right actions that help them to actually feel a release, both physically and mentally, so that they can keep moving to the next moment and the next moment and evolving. You know, a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. So I I would, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, a lot of things that I hear from these kids also is I'm doing everything right. I'm doing what I'm told. I don't understand what's happening. What's happening with, I don't understand why I'm, I can't send my resume. I can't send that application. I can't text that boy. Mm. I can't, they, they, they get paralysis and they don't know how to move, whether it's up, down, sideways, they have no idea. So they, understanding to stop. I love this breath work. I love this because that is something anybody can do anywhere, anytime. There's no right or wrong way when you're just taking a deep breath in to begin. Just take a deep breath right now and then learning your, the systems. And I, I'm going to get on and study this, trust me. But I, one thing you said about life is never changing and ever changing at the same time is one of the major tenets of the I Ching, which I teach. And, it's, and there's that tenet that life is never changing and yet ever changing at the same time. It's January through December, as we understand our Gregorian can, uh, calendar. But then this January is nothing like last January. And hopefully it'll be nothing like next January. So it's there's a be, there's a real satisfying beauty to that whole notion with your our mind and soul and spirit as well. 
The only thing is I got we I got to figure out the the fluctuations on the weight thing. It's usually just around the holidays. Other than that, I think I'm okay. <laughs> oh my god i could talk to you forever but i know we've got like a small window and we only have a little half hour show because we wanted we wanted to give people just a little taste of you and then they want so much more so they're going to go to all your cool you know at guided by be it b-i-e-t guided by be it and be it uh to see more information about you. You are an extraordinary human being that I feel very honored to know and, and call a friend. Um, thank you so much for being on our show. And I hope you'll come back because you're amazing. You're amazing, amazing, amazing. And Melissa, I don't know. <laughs> thank you. It was there so you great go. meeting you. Thank you so much for your time, truly. Hi, I'm Mariel my partner, Melissa Yamaguchi, and you have joined us on Outcomes the Sun, a podcast about mental and behavioral health and physical health and all kinds of health, but basically about a balanced brain. Uh, today, we have an amazing guest, and I'm going to throw it over to you, Melissa, so that you can give the intro. I am more than happy to. We have, as we also, we have a lovely guest today. His name is Jeff Dill. Meryl and I had the fortuitous opportunity to meet Jeff when we were in Vegas at an event, and he was... Um, in true fashion of his industry and of his work, he came up to Marielle, approached us, and we were delighted to have the opportunity to be exposed to all the work he's doing. And besides that, get to talk to him at various times and learn what a lovely man he is. But let me get down to the particulars for you. <laughs> in 2010, Jeff Deal founded the Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance. He travels the United States and Canada holding workshops to educate firefighters, dispatchers, and EMS about behavioral health awareness and suicide prevention. And this is an interesting fact that I think it's worth sharing. In 2010, Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance, FBHA, began tracking and validating data on all firefighters, EMS, and dispatcher suicides across the United States. In addition, they offer seven workshops for first responders, counselors and chaplains, family members, and preparing for retirement. Now, Jeff holds a master's degree in counseling, unlike me, who just has armchair opinions about everything. He's a retired <laughs> fire captain at Palatine Rural Fire Protection District in Inverness, Illinois. He speaks internationally about his work for his brothers and sisters in the industry. The past 10 years, he has traveled over 750,000 miles. And after this, we'll be discussing how I can be a part of the friends and family benefit for Jeff. His <laughs> message his message offers hope and inspires all to enjoy life by understanding each person's own behavioral health. Now, on July 1st, some current news, on July 1st of 2021, Jeff was appointed the new behavioral health, health administrator for Las Vegas Fire and Rescue. Jeff, we're so happy you're here with us. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's an honor to be here, uh, Melissa and Mario. I, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a subject matter that uh, it's one of those things that you just wonder how did I ever get on this path and or why did why did the good Lord put me on this path and uh, it's one that I don't question I just uh, just follow and, and try to help out my brothers and sisters mm -hmm. well that's awesome we are uh, first of all I'm really uh, thank you for the work that you do because it's so incredibly important we we uh, spoke with Mike McGrew uh, a couple or a week ago um, he'll be in our next podcast um, and we 
you know, what you're doing is so important, but I, I want to know specifically what it is that you do when you go and you speak all over the country, what kind of workshops that like, what is the, what are the techniques or, you know, what are the tools that you're using? Cause I'm really fascinated with sol- solutions. I, you know, I think we mm-hmm. all know that there's a problem, but what are the solutions that you've, you've come across that are very, that are working? Well, what we found uh, very quickly in 2010, um, you know, being in the fire service, I was a battalion chief at that time in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. And when my wife and I founded FBHA, I found out really quickly that we don't talk about behavioral health in the fire service. It just was not uh, something that you discussed. Anything with addictions, PTSD, marital relationship issues, and then suicide. So it was it was a big challenge. And uh, when we uh, actually founded FBHA in 2010, we took a lot of hits. Uh, A lot of organizations saying uh, PTSD, that's a military issue, and uh, suicides, uh, you're making up the numbers and things like that. So now we've seen here in 2022 the hundreds and hundreds of organizations now that are out here helping out our brothers and sisters. And so what makes us different, though, is the validation process and the interviews. Ninety uh, percent of all our workshops and what the information that's in our workshops comes from our brothers and sisters or the family survivors. Uh, we do a lot for family survivors as well. So when we start talking about these things, we talk about the cultural brainwashing. We're talking uh, about um, uh, internal size up, meaning that we need to ask ourselves daily two questions. Why am I acting this way? Why am I feeling this way? And the best thing that we can do is, is to learn to listen to others because they see us a lot better than we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I, my wife and I will be married uh, 42 years in November. And, Congratulations. Uh, she, wow. Thank you. And, and she That's said to put up a, age. Uh, almost, <laughs> I think she said she was 41. Thank you. So, uh, but, yes, uh, I think so. You know, and so when she tells me, Hey, you better uh, stop and think about what you're about to say. I'd listen up. And so education is absolutely key because we are still very new in this behavioral health realm uh, since the fire service is 250 plus years old. And we're only talking behavioral health for 12 years. So education is key to understand our own uh, issues that we go through that this job, unfortunately, gives to us and meaning EMS and dispatchers. Uh, police go through the same thing, but that's not my culture. So it's not to say right. that we haven't spoken in front of police. I've spoken in front of 500 LA police officers, uh, but that's not my culture. And as much right. as people want to lump fire and police together, we are totally different. And, and so I, I just bet stick you to are. And and, and yeah, and and the fire. So so you're talking to firemen, and there's a, a, a tr- just like there are with the policemen, but there's a tremendous like stigma around addiction, PTSD, all that stuff, just like you said. So it's, it, are, are you just breaking down and breaking through the sort of the old patterns and, and what people think they know or, or, and the embarrassment and the shame around having an issue, a mental health issue, well, which by the way, we all have. Yeah. But I want to add something to that too. We look to our firefighters as our heroes, right? They run into yes. the building, they rescue the, the people in distress. Our firefighters are the heroes, and nobody wants to hear about Superman and Batman in therapy. So it's a, there's, well, a, there's a, right? 
Absolutely. And here's a question I will ask you ladies uh, that I always start off our, our workshop for our counselors and chaplains and our family members. If I said to you, when you hear the word firefighter, what words come to your mind? Just shoot off some words. What comes to you? Strong. Strong. What, what else? Mm -hmm. Anything else? Strong. Handsome. Sorry. Great. Sorry. Well, I, I break that down, Muriel, so that's that doesn't fall. <laughs> but yeah, strong, brave, courageous. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, br brave, strong, uh, 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 you know, in impenetrable, like unstoppable, right. like all Absolutely. of those kinds of. So in 11, 12 years in my speaking, I've never heard people say, well, you know, they got anger issues. They have addiction issues. Uh, you know, they, right. they have relationship issues. Right. And because so society is culturally brainwashed as well. Now, imagine us in the fire service and EMS world dispatcher. Every time we put this uniform on, we are expected to be at that level. Strong, brave, courageous, give help, don't ask for help. I handle all issues on my own. And when you're challenged, right. either in your personal, professional life, and you have to maintain that, now you see why right. so many of us struggle. And it's difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, you know, in comparison to the to the uh, policemen, we sort of, we have a hint that they have issues with, you know, anger issues. But firemen are even, it's, it's a higher level of like, we just, we glorify them. I mean, more to your point, you know, I'm just saying, I'm accentuating that point. And that's rough. That's a tough thing to, to, to be under, you know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like being a celebrity and you think, oh, they don't have any problems. Right. Oh, right, they've got the right. world by the, they're Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's very challenging. And I'm sure having to go into those situations every single day and deal with the kind of trauma that they deal with, that's trauma to them. Correct. No, absolutely. And in fact, uh, we just created, we just finished a national survey and we're about to produce a white paper within the next month and a half on moral injury. Moral injury, I believe, will play a larger role than post-traumatic stress for my brothers and sisters. And so these are all things that- What is uh, moral know, injury? So, so moral what injury- What is moral injury? Moral injury is a, is a military term, but it, it's based on the presumption that we are born to do good. We want to help others and things. Then we get into the fire service and we're trained to save lives. Well, over time, we start seeing more and more people die and injured. We feel like we couldn't save them. Uh, there's betrayal that falls under moral injury. So now we start feeling shame and guilt. And, and so these things now are starting to really affect us. And, and so you you can have PTSD and moral injury at the same time. The problem is is that so it's kind of is is it kind of is it kind of chipping away at your self at your at your core being like your at, at how you perceive yourself. It's kind of chipping away so that you're feeling less and less strong in your inner self. Yes, and, and that lack of uh, loss of confidence too. So it's it's really Got wounding it. our uh, wounding our heart and our spirit where PTSD is based right. on trauma from things you see, these are the things you feel and, and from seeing it. And betrayal is a big one because in the first responder world, about 65% is the divorce rate. So when oh. management is betraying us or we haven't treated our loved ones right and now they want a divorce or maybe hmm, they had affairs or we had affairs. So betrayal plays a major role.
And, and little do people realize everyone really wants to talk about PTSD. And when it comes to the suicide data, the number one known reason of my 1,766 that I have validated is marital and family relationships. So we, we really, that's why we have workshops to help families is understand why we act the way that we do and how it affects your family at home. Jeff, so do you, so you actually have, I'm sorry, Melissa, okay. you actually have like families come together and, and people in relationship, like <clears throat> interacting? Uh, no, actually, uh, we, we have workshops for the families uh, to, to attend, but not the first responders. When we had the first responders uh, first come in with their families and for this particular workshop, we found out really quickly the spouses and partners don't say anything because they didn't want to get home and get uh. chewed out by their loved one. And so, so we separated it and then it just flourished. It. And so, but we do have an annual weekend retreat for family survivors. And those are the most incredible weekend retreats you could ever imagine. They are the strongest and bravest people I've ever met in my life. Uh, they come together, they share their pain, they help others get through their recent losses. So that, uh, that is it's called uh, Those Left Behind, uh, the, the weekend retreat. And so we've done that for eight years in a row. And it's just we couldn't do it this year because we just that, didn't have the funding. I have a question for right, you. That's a, go ahead. Have your statistics changed over the years? Have you noticed since you started this in 10, 2010, that the, that the numbers have, have altered? Like, like, you know, they say that the divorce rate nationwide has the, right. the variances on that. So have you noticed a, a shift like during COVID? Uh, did you no, notice a bigger shift? We, well, and during COVID, uh, that was a, that was a real big issue uh, for relationships because no one really yeah. wanted to, to be home with their loved ones because we're gone most of the time. Yeah. Uh, but but understand, uh, uh, stepping back, wow. our suicide numbers have started to come down a little, which which is very positive. Wow. Wow. Uh, on on the flip side, I think people need to understand that out of the 1.1 million firefighters across America, approximately 700,000 of them are volunteers. So that that's oh, a challenge. Interesting. That, yeah, that's. Did Jeff? Right, can you give me that? Can you give me those numbers? Face. Can you tell me those numbers again? That's huge. Yeah, uh, approximately 1.1 million firefighters in America, and approximately 700,000 are volunteer firefighters. So that's yeah. Uh, I'm, that's I live a up here. I live up here. Yeah. Yeah, I live up here in Idaho, and everybody's a volunteer fire person, right. and and they're you know, and they're you know, right now is it's the hellish time for them, you know, but what I love about what you're doing too, is the people left behind because I've dealt with a lot of people with suicide and, and, and it is so challenging for the people left behind, you know, it's, it, it's, it it's is. like, mm -hmm. wait, you know, we, we, we seem to think, Oh, you know, this poor person, what could I have done? But when it's all said and done, they did the deed. Now it's like these families that have fallen apart and what do you, we need to help them. Yeah. So I'm so, I'm so right. thrilled that you're doing that. And, and it's, and it's yeah. so different. Uh, you know, when you lose someone to a vehicle accident or a disease, tragic as it is, there's some understanding behind it. But for these families, right. uh, the, the guilt, right. the, why didn't I see something? Why didn't my loved one come to me? And, and yeah. it haunts them for years and years and years upon years. And I'll be talking to a spouse whose loved one died 10, 11, 12 years ago, and she just breaks down in tears. And, and so it's, it's very difficult. Uh, and, you know, and people always say, well, you know, it's been eight 
eight years. You should, aren't you over there yet? And it's like, how you can't judge people. No, I mean, I, I've no, like and I said, also grief. It grief has a very, it's a weird ebb and flow. I mean, I remember right. when my mother died, and that was twenty five years ago or thirty years ago, and. I it, initially it was almost like a there's a shock to it but then right. you know it, I think 10, 10 years later I lost it one day you know mm -hmm. I was triggered by something you know you never know there's no rhyme or reason grief takes you into places and and it's very interesting and I think educating people on the grief process and and the fact that you know nobody nobody's responsible you know it, the, Suicide is so complicated because it's oh, it 20 minutes it, of a bad day for a teenager or it's planned for 20 right. years or, 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 you know, all the different scenarios. And it's so, it's complicated. It, it truly is. And, and you said a, a couple of things there. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're a nonprofit and it's, it's been a struggle for funding uh, people donations because it, it is suicide. Even though we talk behavioral health, we are known, FBHA is known as the suicide people because media constantly call us. Uh, we've been mentioned in Congress for our work. Uh, I've been invited to the Pentagon to speak. And, and so uh, it's, it's amazing. I've had manufacturers tell me to my face, Jeff, we love what you do, but it's suicide. And that's a negative connotation against our business. And, and I had one manufacturer told me uh, we'd like to donate, but there's not much of a return on investment. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, and, wow. and, I, and I'm thinking, well, out of the 1,766 that I have validated, we estimate about a 65% reporting. I have personally spoken to about 1,730 chief officers to or family members to validate all the data. So I've heard stories upon stories. There's no return on investment. I'm just hoping that when I uh, meet the good Lord at the pearly gates, I have one extra plus then to allow me to get in. Well, I, th <laughs> I think that's a shallow understanding of what investing in, in what you're doing is. And that's a, I mean, because you know, the investment to me is like, it's, it's tenfold. There is a return because you're, you're saving Absolutely. families, emotional well being. So, and, and let me ask you something and I'm sure, I'm sure that you dealt with this and it's probably a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you dealt with any like insurance companies? Like I would think because you, you get such accolades from government and, and what have you, aren't there, I don't know. Yeah, well, we, I'm uh, I'm pissed off that people aren't donating to you. Absolutely, <laughs> that no, years, makes me mad. Yeah, years ago uh, we did have an insurance company who uh, sponsored us uh, as a um, as a partner for a year a year or two and stuff. But uh, it, it just it just fades away, and uh, and I don't know why because we're still losing people. We're still having people struggle. Uh, I, I get calls. Oh, Every day, every week, uh, I've even had the hotline, the national hotline, call me uh, three times in the last year saying, hey, we have a firefighter on the line. Uh, can we send them over to FBHA? And I said, well, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know we were on your resources. But I said, of course you can. Well, and, well, and also the other thing that's so confusing is that you're you're getting results. You're you're right. You know, you're seeing right. you're seeing that the level the you know, the numbers are going down. Maybe it's not hugely significant yet but your work is helping people so that doesn't make any sense to me i'm gonna i'm gonna help you i don't know how, yeah but I'm well yeah we'll, we'll start blasting out information yeah. about you to the followers of mh foundation as well as mariel's got a really healthy following also we'll put we'll start putting well, word out
Yeah. I appreciate it. You know, but I mean, I, a, I can't. I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, my, my wife and I, we're, we're very humbled. I mean, we have, we get notes from firefighters, EMS, families, uh, children that write and say, thank you for helping my daddy, you know, but, and we don't put that on Facebook and stuff. That's, that's between me and the good Lord. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't brag about that stuff. We just, we just help, you know, we just help out people. And, uh, you like know, said, you I, know what's, I, I, I was, I was raised you know by some great parents and, uh, you know, we were raised to, to help others. And, uh, that's just, just yeah. the way that, that it well, is. Well, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, Jeff, we live in a world that is so like, I mean, everybody wants to see stuff. You know how you know how right. it is because you're EMS and you deal with EMS and people are rubberneckers. They want to see things. Right. So the sad thing is you have to, we've got to figure out a way. We've got to figure out a way to help you to allow people to, to, to hear your stories because it's those stories, it's stories that turn people's heads. You know, because yeah, if, right. if our heroes are falling apart and their children are writing you notes, that's profound. And that makes people pay attention, yep. right? Yep. That's what meant. And yes, it is between you and the good Lord, but it's also between you. You know, you got those messages because there are messages that need to go out to the public for them to realize the profound effect that you're having. Well, and we're all, you, you've alluded to brother, yeah, we're brothers true. and sisters in the industry, but we're brothers and sisters on the planet. And so Absolutely. even though many of us don't act, and many of us don't act like kissing cousins, many of us are silly, but we, and we don't connect with one another. There's still a human component. Sometimes it's deeper down yeah. for some people than others, mm -hmm. but there's a human component when right. we hear tragedy. It, it really makes us pay attention, the overwhelming majority. So I agree with Mariel on that point. You're right. I, yeah, I, you're, sadly, you're right. I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to get you to do something against your, your heart, no, no, but I also right. think, you know. Well, you but know you I'm understand. Like, sadly. <laughs> well, your ideas are, are fabulous. Uh, understand, uh, I'm a firefighter. And uh, so marketing and things like that, that's just not my forte. <laughs> and so uh, I get I, my no, wife, I get it. My wife and I, doing, right. Well, I was just going to say, my wife and I are so very bad at asking yeah. for money. So, but, uh, yeah. Well, well, I know. That's, are, no, that's no fun. <laughs> these, yeah, I know. But you know what? These, when, these, it's, when, when it's, it's for not good. for you, yeah, when it's not for you and it's for good, yeah. it's like, hey, you're not at, you're not saying, oh, you know, fill my pockets with money for no reason. And you're remember, saying, hey, I need to help these people. Nobody's more effective at asking for money than the Girl Scouts. They stand out there with a box of cookies. They didn't go in their pocket. Listen, we got to get good. Jeff, we got, we're, we're in this with you. Well, yeah. it affects us yeah. because um, this past yeah. May, uh, we, we could not hold our annual weekend retreat because we didn't have the funds. You know, it cost us about twenty to twenty-five thousand uh, to have the families from America, across America, come and visit. And we get new families, and uh, like I said, the yeah. bonds that they they create is just sure. it's just tremendous. So, but you know what? I, I'm not here to you know whine and complain. Uh, I love my I love what I do. It's difficult work, uh, but uh, you know these are good men and women. And uh, they put themselves out there every day, and from what the things that they see, and I'm I'm talking the volunteers, the wildland, the military firefighters, uh, the dispatchers, uh, they they do tremendous work, and uh, so mm -hmm. we're we're just trying here to give our little piece out there. Uh, a lot of people 
have uh, told us and have written about saying that uh, we were the we were the catalyst in the behavioral health movement in the fire service. And uh, I'll share a quick story. That's, that's huge. powerful. Huge. Never, never forget that. The, what you're doing. So you don't have to change what you're doing or how you're doing it. But maybe there's a connection. And I know that Melissa and I will put our thinking caps on and maybe there's a way to do an event, you know, do your event link it to something that's going to go out to social media because that's unfortunately that's kind of the only way you can get something to be viable anymore and, and get money for it i it's hard it, it's really hard i you know and i i'm not saying that from a wealth of experience on how to raise money but but i think that but i think it's too important to to i want you to have your yearly event oh yeah this what you're doing for the families is masterful and we the the, yeah. the technology uh, component of it, yeah. We we definitely we're going to get the word out. Absolutely, we'll make it a part. Yeah. So one hundred. I I had to share a story with you. Uh, a few years okay. ago, I was out in I was out in Nebraska, and I was uh, I just finished a workshop, and a, a female firefighter came up to me and she said, Jeff, she says uh, I've been I've been following you and your wife and FBHA since you started. You just do some great work. And she says to me, she says, I consider you the grandfather of the movement and the behavioral <laughs> health and the fire service. And, and I turned to her and I said, well, why can't I be the father? Why do I have to be the grandfather? <laughs> and, and, and I never, I never saw someone turn so red so fast in my life. <laughs> and I said, I'm just teasing with you. I'm just teasing with you. you know? I, but, know. Uh, I know. You know, you, you, I know. I've, met, I've met some great people. And unfortunately, I've lost some great people that I've met that uh, took their lives. Uh, 18 so far. So I, I keep that, uh, you know, and it's, uh, it, and it's tough. Uh, it, it really is yeah. because they call, they're asking for help. They want to, they want to work on different programs and start for their own departments. And then next thing I know, I get a confidential report that they took their life and it's like, all right, what did I miss? And, uh, you know, but we are damn good actors uh, in the fire and EMS world. We, uh, we can yeah. put our pain, hide it away. So it's a, it's a challenge every day to uh, make sure that uh, we try to take care of our brothers and sisters. We vet counselors uh, that work with first responders. I work with the National Volunteer Fire Council, and uh, we, I've now vetted over 500 counselors that work with first responders, and that list is on our webpage so that our brothers and sisters can go to them and uh, see uh, who's in their area. So like I said, it's, I, I never lost anyone growing up to suicide. I never had any friends. I, I saw it on the job outside of Chicago. Uh, so I, I always wonder why I got put on this, uh, this mission, but, uh, I don't question it. I just, I just do it. So. Well, and, and let me ask you something. So you're based out of Las Vegas, but you're, you're national, correct? Uh, yes. Uh, in fact, I was supposed to speak in Germany, but then COVID hit. So it's, uh, oh, but wow. I speak, a yeah. I've spoken a lot in Canada as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. Just keep doing what you're doing. We'll figure out some way we can get the word out for you more because it's just too important. It's just well, absolutely and, too important. And I appreciate uh, both of you for, you know, having me on here just to, you know, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, who we are and what we do and uh, the things that uh, we're trying to accomplish and uh, for the future as well. So we have uh, four other instructors and we're trying to, crisscross you know across america and, uh, doing the best we can well absolutely yeah and and you know once the mariel hemingway foundation because we also need to get funded 
But, you know, because eventually what we want to have is a website that will direct people, you know, wherever they are. If you're a firefighter and you need help, we're going to direct them to you. If you're, you know, if you're a if you're a police officer, we're going to direct them to 911, whatever. We're going to direct people to where they need to be. And that's so important. I think what's so difficult is that people don't realize there is help. And that's that's powerful you know what you're doing is so important but it's also really important for the people that are in trouble to know oh my god there's there's help for me like i can speak to somebody and i won't you know i won't be reported as you know like depressed or crazy or or unfunctional or you know and and you know and 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 the other thing that's just heartbreaking about this whole issue is that there's so much fear in talking about it because they think they won't make a living anymore They'll get fired or they'll be put off, you know, and then they then they have no means of income, which also creates a, a triple, you know, feeling of like uh, I'm useless and I, I want to leave the world. And that's yeah, horrible. Absolutely. Well, years ago, unfortunately, I, within a, about a year and a half, I had seven firefighters who called me in tears saying, Jeff, I went and got help. I was diagnosed with PTSD and I was fired. And so that, that that's a problem in our world. Uh, but PTSD yeah. uh, is a reality, and there's a lot of states now that have workman's comp laws for first responders uh, that are struggling with that as long as it's documented to certain calls and things like that. Uh, but, um, you know, we're like I said, we're still new in this. We're still young in the behavioral health realm, and we're just trying yeah. to do our little bit part uh, to help out. Well, you're doing an incredible job. We are so honored to know you and to be, uh, you know, like, I feel like, yeah, I just, I just know we're going to, we're going to do something in the future together. I thank you so much for coming on our podcast and, and <laughs> dealing with our little hiccups because we had a few, no, a, nobody needs it, to know about them. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's a great honor. Uh, and I appreciate all your work that you do. I've been watching a lot of your podcast and, and uh, I saw about your book. So you're, you're doing some great work out there and uh, just, just keep it up and, and may you be blessed with that. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.